Ridiculous joke. Just about ten seconds. <laughs> it wasn't actually a rude it wasn't, joke. It was a Chuck and Dickin. <laughs> we have to now compose cross, ourselves. Cross between a duck and a chicken is a Chuck or a Dickin. It's not a rude joke. It's, it's just your joke. mind. So it's just where you're, you're going, going with it. It's what it is. <laughs> Welcome to podcast number six, seven, 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 oh, seven. seven. Oh, seven. <laughs> seven. <laughs> Because Mary was holding up the number of fingers, fingers and I just couldn't count them. No, not fast enough. <laughs> Podcast number six, Book Whisperers seven. here. Seven. Seven. Oh my gosh, did I say six again? Yes. You did. You did. Oh, what's my name? Where'd I come from? Please help me. Help. <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm dialing for help now. <laughs> They're on the way. Well, we're here with a plan of action, although it doesn't sound like it. We've got papers. This is not just thrown together, is it, girls? Never. No, never no. at the last minute. And the straws no. are at the ready. <clears throat> Today I'm bring in straws one day. Just, yeah. to, just, oh, to really, just to really confuse you both. <laughs> Cut them all even. That will throw her. <laughs> that would be the best way to do it. It would be so funny. Today oh. we're going to be talking about performance and we have in our midst... Ooh. A Who performer. We do. Have we? Yes. yes. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Taylor, performer going, extraordinaire, yeah. extraordinaire, is going to give us a masterclass yeah. in I'm gonna, performance. I'm going to give you a performance. Oh. And I have to say, you know what? You know, at the beginning of lockdown, I didn't appreciate how important the art of performance was to a writer. Yeah. I just thought all I had to do was sit in my shed, <laughs> churn out my books and just let them go wherever. But actually standing behind your books, being able to perform them and project them to an audience is a really important skill, isn't yeah, it? It's, well, it's sharing. You're, what you're doing is sharing the thing that you love. This creation that you've done, you're taking it out there and saying, look, isn't it exciting? Get behind me. You love it. You know? We're always yeah. behind you. Yeah. yeah. At yeah. least three steps yeah, in my three face. Three steps. <laughs> sometimes ten yards. <laughs> Running the other direction. I don't even know what day of the week it is. I mean, I'm always behind you. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about performance today and we are going to be waltzing through some whisperings from the book whisperers. Mm -hmm. Where can we find the book whisperers? Online. Uh, and uh, website is www.thebookwhisperers.com Wow, we got that one right for change. Like, we've turned into the three degrees, haven't we? We have. <laughs> well, Lee's definitely um, Donna. Just because of my hair. Uh, yeah. Precious moments. <laughs> when will I see you? Don't start us singing. That, that, that's just oh. going to embarrass oh. me so deeply if I start joining in. I do tend to join in. I just want to say, all I want to do is sing. <laughs> <laughs> like Monty Python's. Yes. Yes. I once went to a Christmas party, had, had a sherry too many. And apparently, yeah. I don't remember, but I elbowed the lead singer off the stage and said, go and have a nice lie down, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and you took over and I took over it was horrible 
And it was really horrible because the whole room went so you quiet. You know, they, and I thought they'd all think, hooray, Susan's hit the stage. But no, it went really quiet. And everybody got really embarrassed. But I, it never stopped me, obviously. <laughs> You were having the time of your life. I was. Absolutely. I really was. <laughs> just right. nobody I, else was. I would sit and sing in the car and Robin's dad, uh, sitting beside me, would just go, don't. <laughs> oh, no. That was it. That would always do. Just look at me and go, don't. don't. And I was like, okay. Oh. oh. Very demoralising. I think I've got a great singing voice, but then nobody sing. else seems to agree with me. <laughs> I, th- I think everybody can sing. We all can sing. It's just how the the messages we tell ourselves. My, my problem is everybody else's ears are out of tune. They are. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've done our vocal exercises. Me, 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 me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we have come up with some special rhymes for you to loosen our lips. We have, haven't we? Now <clears> then, what kind of rhymes have we got? Well, I've got one that works for lips. Ooh. Are you ready? Oh, We're ready. Unfortunately, the, the <laughs> listeners can't see what I'm doing with my lips. <laughs> that might be a good but thing. But it is fairly spectacular. It is fairly spectacular. Are you ready then? It's ready. Like it's actually taken from an advert on TV that was back in the 70s or something like that. But it goes like this. Chef's square-shaped soups show how a good soup should be. Oh, that's good. Chef's square-shaped soups. Show how a good soup should be. Go on, try and say that a bit faster. No chance. (laughs) (laughs) Chef chef square feet. Can't do it, can't do it. (laughs) Well, I've I've consulted Madame Le Google and I've got quite an innocent one. (laughs) Mrs Puggy Wuggy has a square cut punt. Not a punt cut square, just a square cut punt. It's round in the stern and it's blunt in the front. You've got filthy mind, you two. <laughs> Mrs. Puggy Wuggy has a square cut punt. Yay! Yay! <laughs> That's what you call sailing close to the wind. That is sailing very close to the wind. Well, the one I, one I, I like Mrs. Madame, Madame Le Google showed me was, and I don't know if I can do this but not, is Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said the butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. But a bit of better butter would make my batter better. So twas Betty, better Betty Butters bought a bit, bit of better butter. I got very confused at the end there. Um, oh, Betty's Botty. Betty's Botty. <laughs> butter. Butter. And apparently one that... My that lips this... feel warm now. Oh, well, that's what they say. Yes. Not yeah. We're like Usain Bolt. Yes. Before he gets <laughs> to the starting line, he doesn't just rock up there. No, he has with to his do his jeans exercises. on and his t-shirt. Does he, does he, yeah. you know? he does yeah. limericks, does he? And <laughs> he does a bit stretching. But it's, it's not just the it's not just the mouth and the mouth muscles. It's your voice as well. You have to warm up your voice. So when we were making those silly noises earlier, yeah, you know, and this kind of stuff, um, it's about warming up the voice so your vocals aren't stretched beyond capacity. So to speak. Otherwise, you can you can actually damage your voice, your vocal box. Really? Mm. Yeah. I would like to say that was true of me, but it's not. Ask my children. <laughs> I can scream so loud that I have an unlimited vocal capacity, apparently. <laughs> ah, but if you like, sometimes I'll do storytelling and I'll go into a school <clears throat> and storytell for the whole day. Right. And my voice takes a tanning. Then the next day, I probably won't speak. 
interesting. My husband's really excited about oh. that. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I did that was when I did the bungee jump because I screamed for seven seconds because it takes seven seconds to fall 150 foot. Screamed for seven seconds all the way down and then swore all the way up and then screamed all the way down <laughs> swore all the way up because you're a bungee, you're on a piece of elastic, it goes up and down. <laughs> and it was like by the time they laid me out on the mat, I, was, I, I couldn't speak. I, was, I actually yeah. bruised my voice box. And I, I couldn't actually speak for about two weeks. And that's sore. It's really sore when mm. you bruise. I don't know why. I'm not sure I wanted to speak yeah. for two weeks after I'd fallen 150 foot, I have to say. But I don't go. know why, but the visual in my mind is... After they laid me out on the mat. I know. <laughs> I can get the, the bungee jump there. Yeah, but laying out on a mat. What's that all laid, about? Laid yeah. That's like a big country and western song, isn't it? Something that Dolly Parton would write about. They lay me down my whole on life, a mat. My whole life is a country and western song. I mean, it's like, can you imagine it? <laughs> well, oh, today dear. we do have a little plan. We do. Yes. We do. We do. Scrapping my bit of paper. We are going to be um, going through the floods of questions we've had from the book whisperers who oh. lurk uh, with us in our closed Facebook group. Come and join us because the guardian at the gate, the tough, ball gowned, tiaraed one, is <laughs> <laughs> many Tony Thompson will let us in. Um, so come join us. It's the book whisperers. You find us on Facebook. Um, then we're going to be interviewing a certain performer, we are, aren't yes. we? We've got a really amazing, amazing performer. performer. Going so should we keep it secret? We will. I yeah. will. I do think yeah, so. Yeah. Okay. And then we're going to be given some tips on how to deliver our own work. Yeah. Which is extremely mm-hmm. exciting. Yes. And then we're going to try and deliver our own work. Try. Try. Emphasis on the try. <laughs> it's just like both our voices get really tight. Really 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 your speech should be like that. You should be warming up. For goodness sake. <laughs> So we have some whisperings questions. Cool. Oh, this is a really interesting one. How do you lose what is a natural self-consciousness when you stand in front of a group of people? You need to practice. Practice, practice, practice. It's very, very difficult if if you're only doing it as a one-off. How can you practice? But I think part of it is practicing what it is you're bringing to the table, what you're going to actually sort of discuss or talk about so you've got that clear in your mind you can go back to that even when you feel really wobbly you know exactly what you're doing the other thing is if you have the opportunity if if you can do it on a regular basis it's just a case of getting up and and keep practicing when I first started as a storyteller I was petrified to actually stand up in front of I think I, I started off working at the um not the Royal, the the Botanical Gardens, that's it. Royal Botanic Gardens, I couldn't think of the name of it then. So I started off there and they had a special storytelling room and this had a capacity of about 150 people, which was terrifying. Mm. You'd, you'd get out into the centre of the room and it went up like the um, sort of like Greek piers, you know, when... <laughs> <laughs> See, it's Sorry, that water, that it's that water, water thing. <laughs> they'd, they'd have these tiers where people would sit up and, yeah. and watch you. Um, and I, I found that really, really petrifying. But I, the more I did it, the more I started to get over my fear and start to enjoy it and then really start to connect with the audience. I mean, if you can get on that stage and learn to connect, let go of that real fear. I mean, keep hold of the adrenaline but let go of that fear and, and mm. focus on what it is you're supposed to be doing. And if you can, just put that 
that feeler out and, and, and connect with your audience. Once you've connected with the audience, there's no going back. You don't want to stop. Yeah. You know, but it's getting that connection. So is it shifting? Yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say, I've got a technique, actually. Mm. Um, I'm not as, as, as good as Palmer, but I, when I do my speaking gigs and stuff like that, I've got a technique that you can use to get yourself out of nerves mm -hmm. when you're on stage um and it's a uh, when you when you go into uh, you've heard of fight or flight mm -hmm. you know what happens is you you your eyes go into what's called foreal vision so you're you're you literally just like looking through a tube you just you see what it goes back to caveman days when we were faced with the saber-toothed tiger and you're you're all the blood goes to your arms and your legs it goes away from your internal organs uh so that you can either punch them or you can run so that's why it's called fight or flight. So all the blood goes to your arms and legs. But your eyes go into this thing called foreal vision. So you've got this tunnel vision. So your your brain is only processing the information that's coming from the danger that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And it's physiological. So the way to get yourself out of fight or flight, if you find that you're panicking when you're on stage doing an exam, you know, you're sort of like, well, it doesn't matter what it is. If you find that you've gone into fight or flight, the way to get yourself out of it is to register your peripheral vision. Because when you take your eyes out of Fourier vision, it tells your brain that the danger is gone. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the trouble is we live in a society where a lot of people are living in the condition of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. So that the blood doesn't, goes away from their stomach and their internal organs into their arms and legs all the time. That's why they, you clench your fist when you're stressed, because the blood's in your arms. So physically, how do you actually do that with your, your So physically, eyes? if you just literally put your hands beside your eyes and, and you know, look straight ahead, but wiggle your fingers so Which you can what see, we're, doing. Oh, look at we're us. all doing it, right? Yeah. And it's like, and you, you sort of like you get your brain to register not only your fingers, but the ceiling and the floor without moving mm -hmm. your eyes. Just register. And you'll actually notice you feel yourself kind of calming down when you do it, when you register peripheral mm -hmm. vision. Well, that's really interesting. Do, do you see that before your audience, though? I do it before, well, I either do it before I go on or just, just I do it automatically now. Mm -hmm. um, before I do anything, I just kind of like, it's like you, you're talking about grounding yourself. That's, mm -hmm. that's with me. It's why when you go for a walk on a beach or in the countryside, your eye is forced into um, peripheral vision because mm -hmm. the, the the skyline takes you into it. And it's why we find it so relaxing to go for walks along the beach or or into the countryside and stuff like that. And it's why while living in a city, people are under stress because their eyes are always being forced down a street with the high-rise blocks so and stuff. So that tunnel them. vision, actually, is not the healthiest of things then, is no, it? It, it's, no, it puts you into fight or flight. How fascinating. But it's just it's just a physiological technique yeah. you can use if you're feeling overwhelmed because the trouble is the brain <laughs> the, the brain doesn't get any proper oxygen or anything so when you're when you're sitting an exam or something and you're trying to use your brain you're trying to you know and you you go into fight or flight then you can't think yeah so you mm -hmm. can't remember what the the subject is you were going to talk about or the the, the exam question you're going to answer so if you can just register your peripheral vision and it calms it down your brain is freed up to to, to do what that's it's a great, great tip, tip actually yeah. that's a great tip i know so it's that, not to um, do with the performance particularly but it was just yeah. you know suddenly occurred to me when you were talking about you know, sort of having feeling the fear, but using the adrenaline yeah. without allowing the fear to the fear to control you. I thought that might be right. Yeah. I know that Lee, you and I have experienced a hypnotherapy for yeah. certain types of of anxiety or certain Phob types yeah. of of, of yeah. phobias or whatever. And um, I noticed once in Strictly Come Dancing that somebody had used a hypnotherapeutic technique for coming down after a performance one year. And um, one of the classic things is to put your thumb and your middle finger together and mm. to rub them. And when you start actually feeling that pressure 
in your finger and just imperceptibly you can be hypnotised to use that as a technique for immediately coming down and immediately being calm. So this particular performer was just on fire. But then he was required to be on fire and then come straight down and give a post-dance interview to Claudia or whoever it was mm. and to be completely coherent, which he found really difficult to do, he said. So to bring him straight down, he used that technique of, of rubbing his finger in his, his, his middle finger and his thumb. And I noticed that um, some of the other hypnotherapeutic techniques can be things like stroking, stroking your tie. So I noticed that some um, politicians will do that. They'll stroke their tie twice, mm. before, and that's a cue. Or some people will, will you know, rub their their earlobe, or or you know, they'll maybe put their hand to their face. But you can be hypnotized to, to almost do anything, which is a cue, hypnotic cue. You realize that all those things you talked about, like doing the tie and stuff like that, with your hand moving up to your tie, you're actually registering. You can see it in your peripheral yes, vision. Yes. And when you bring a hand up to that, you're also doing the same. You're actually getting peripheral, yes. peripheral vision as well. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So um, Any technique that, yeah. that you can use. It's what we talked about in uh, last week's podcast. What was that? Six, five, four. Uh, six. What was it? Six. <laughs> it comes, uh, six becomes before seven, you know. Yeah, we'll write it down for you. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say, but I was really interested. We were talking about collaboration last week. <laughs> but that whole, I think that whole thing of being self-aware, yeah. of yeah. knowing that you're going to have situations which are going to make you uncomfortable and, and employing those techniques. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. So any techniques are going to help us. So look at us. Mm-hmm. First question in the bag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we have another question from one of our lovely whisperers. What would you do to assess your audience before you even get to the venue? Um, one of the things that I do is I might even phone the venue and find out how many people we're expecting. Mm. And if we've got any people with difficulties, you know, physical difficulties or anything like that, um, you might have blind people sitting in the front. So you, or, so, so you can sort of factor them in in your performance, certainly I would. You know, it, in any performance, mm-hmm. if, if I'm doing storytelling, I want to know if, if I'm working with children who've got um, special needs or, you know, ADHD or, you know, I've, I've had kids who've got, um, who've had Tourette's syndrome. So you'd be starting off telling your story and all of a sudden it's like, ah! <laughs> or screaming or something mm. like that. If you're aware of it, it's fine. You can just factor it in and, you know, mm. just carry on rather than thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm just thinking about my father when he, he was, he was, uh, he used to have a bad back and in the middle of any performance he would get up, lie on the ground, pull his knees up to his chest and rock backwards and forwards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just actually stretch his back out. Didn't matter if it was festival theatre. Then you know, sort of anyway. <laughs> and they started do doing it. the relaxed performances. It was great because nobody's batted an eyelid. But you know, when we were in the normal performance, you know, people got a little bit upset with them doing it. You know, so like, but you know, it's it's you know the relaxed performance. People mm. knowing that audience were going to you know with disabled children and you know old age pensioners with people uh, living with dementia, all sorts of things. You know, that was quite expected. Yeah, and it didn't you know. That because they knew the audience might be doing that, they they were quite empowered to to not get a fright by it or not yeah. put them off their stride. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, certainly, I think, I think the festival theatre is brilliant for it's capital theatre now. It's actually. good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's good for that. Certainly, where I've done um, reminiscence work and I've worked in care homes, I'll never forget one time. It was the Queen's. I think it was a jubilee or something like that, and I thought it was really strange that this care home was celebrating the Queen's jubilee. You know, they had all the 
the little flags out and stuff like that. And they wanted me to go and do this input on reminiscence. Um, I think I tied it in with Winnie the Pooh because he was celebrating the centenary or the mm. not the centenary, but he was celebrating the same anniversary. So I'd gone along and I started off and I'd given, I'd checked and I said, do any of your participants, can they read? You know, would it be okay if I brought the words along so they can join in the song? And um, I'd started off with this song. Do you know the changing guards of Buckingham Palace? Christopher Robin went down with Alice. Oh, one, yeah? yes. Sorry. And it's, yes. yes. We should have joined in. You should have. You <laughs> should have. You don't want me to join in. <laughs> so I'd, I'd, I'd sort of taken all the words with that and, you know, started to sing it with, with these elderly charges. And we'd finished and I was just about to start on something else. And then this one little old lady, bless her, she got really stuck on the, on the tune. And she just kept shouting out, we're changing guards at Buckingham Palace and standing up and just doing it right in the middle of, you know, Lovely. the story that I was Lovely. trying to deliver. And she nearly got clubbed to death by the other ones with their handbags. <laughs> I was, shut up, everyone, get down, get back in your seat. You know. And they'd still put her down in her seat and she'd still be going, they're changing guards at Buckingham Palace. <laughs> it's hysterical. I thought it was great. But um, obviously the others were keen for me to sort of deliver the rest of the story. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, actually, I saw a, um, an interview with Brian May recently. And uh, he yeah, and there's a lot of stuff going on, isn't it? After the the, the film Bohemian Rhapsody, and mm. and you know everybody's fascinated again yeah. by Queen, but he was saying how they were really concerned about Live Aid, because he said, "Well, you know, what's the gig going to be like?" And they said, "Well, you know, going to be broad daylight." And he went, "What? Broad daylight? Broad daylight for a rock concert?" And they went, "Yeah, and you're only going to have like a certain number of minutes." What? You, you what? And I have to say, I thought that. And he said that in normal circumstances, they would say, "Absolutely yeah. not." Those those circumstances for performance are ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But actually, you know, the energy of that particular audience in that particular day, he said, just couldn't have been yeah. anticipated. So, against their instincts, they went on because oh, this is going to be a really tough gig. But as soon as they realised what it represented and, and what the crowd and I think that's a really interesting thing because Jason Manford who, who I've been sort of following a wee bit on Facebook has put himself right out there um, uh, during lockdown and he did a drive-in comedy gig in broad daylight and he had put a post on Facebook saying I think I need my head examining so for the start there's going to be no alcohol so apparently that you know for stand-ups mm -hmm. yeah. stand-ups love you know their mates you've got to be sitting there you've got to be standing there with mates you've got to be in the dark you've got to be half drunk yeah and that's yeah. The, the ideal for stand-up but no people are sitting in, the they're cars. Sitting in their cars so they're bad. listening through through particular sort of you know, headphones or whatever they're separated from their mates they're drunk they're, they're, they're sober and it's it's full daylight mm -hmm. and he said well, what am I going to do and he said it was fantastic so I have to say that, that I find that quite interesting yeah. because I'm not a performer. Yeah. That would terrify the living daylights yeah, out of me. Challenge your pre preconceptions. I like being challenged, though. Yeah. I, I like that. You know, sometimes it scares the hell out of me, but... That's the point, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm. We like being scared. Do, That's what it is. They're talking about doing drive-through pantomime. No. Yeah. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, oh yes, yes, they, they are. are. <laughs> <laughs> 
And we've got one more question. What is, well, we've kind of gone down this, so what is the best way to prepare for a live performance after you arrive at the venue? Um, if you've got your own room, I, I, if you've got your own room, what I would do is, I dance. I dance like a lunatic for about 10, 10 minutes, you know, where I'm leaping about. So I'm, I've really warmed myself up. So my body feels a lot more fluid rather than, you know, like sometimes if you haven't, sort of warmed up anyway you can be quite stiff, stiff yeah. um, but it, it kind of gets everything else moving like if you do yoga apparently it moves your energy not that I used to do <laughs> yoga the yeah, yeah it's like right. what yoga <laughs> I'm mouthing that word yoga <laughs> but it, <laughs> people that do go on the mat and do I mat work down, done downward dog since 1972 <laughs> I say <laughs> did I say that out loud yeah did. you did, you did. sorry Again, <laughs> <laughs> but if you you know like if if you do stuff like yoga or Pilates, a lot of people say that having done that, it, it moves their energy. You know, they, it changes their mindset, moves their energy. So yes, before before performance for me, I'm I'm seen leaping about like a lunatic. <laughs> but the other thing is is making currently sure I'm demonstrating her dance moves, <laughs> <laughs> making sure I've warmed up my voice, and it's also about breath. Yeah. grinding myself as well so I'll, I'll do breathing so do you have any breathing exercises you do or in for five <laughs> hold <laughs> hold for four out for eight hold for did four, you just eight. make that up no in for five out for four out no. for eight no, hold for four. Six, 60 million <laughs> later you made that up didn't you Oh, there's such a draft in here. <laughs> this is why she'll do my breath work. To grind me. I, I'm just hyper aware that we have to perform something in a few minutes. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm I trying to sort of did, like do the peripheral Did you vision. want five minutes to go outside and leap about? <laughs> Yes, maybe we should do the whole the whole yeah. process yeah. beforehand. Yes, and who's currently wiggling her fingers inside their eyes? Wiggling my fingers. I'm warming up my mouth. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so we are now coming to the really exciting part where we are going to phone Ooh. a very interesting performer yes. indeed. Oh, she's yes. famous, isn't she? She, yeah, she, she is, is. She's and fabulous. she's adorable. She's yeah. it's nothing. She international is. performer. <gasps> international yeah. performer. Yeah. 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 How, how far afield has she performed? Um, well, she's done... She's been in Canada. Mm. She did... Um, <laughs> We should ask her. Maybe we? we should ask her. Maybe yes. we should phone her. We and should phone ask her. her. Yes. Right. Do you want me to dial the number? Please. Okay. Please. Let's dial the number. Hello. Hello. Is that Lee Taylor, international performer extraordinaire? Yes, it is. Oh, hello. <laughs> oh, my goodness, is that you, Susan? It certainly is. You're live on the Book Whispers <gasps> podcast. How oh, are you? How exciting. I've been looking forward to this all morning. In fact, I've been bouncing around in my kitchen, <laughs> <laughs> getting prepared. <laughs> oh, well, Lee, tell us about the, your favourite performance. Can you Have you got one? Can I tell you about my weirdest performance? Yes, do. Oh, yeah. Yes, do. I was in America, in North America, and I um, 
I'd gone to the Swananoa gathering and I'd met a load of people there and I came across this gentleman who said, I'm a storyteller. And I got really excited because I'm a storyteller. And this gentleman's idea, well, American storytelling is more about anecdotal storytelling. But he was saying, we've got this special festival, you know, down the woods um, tomorrow. Would you like to come? And I was thinking, gosh, yeah, I'd love to. You know, the, the idea of being invited to, to a storytelling event, you know, yes, I, I, can, I can go and do that. So me and my friend who I was staying with, she, she lived in the States, um, we went to this festival. And it, like when you talk woods, they're like, it's like forest, massive, massive amount of trees and things like that. But we went, went and parked in the spot and started to make our way down to the area where we were told to go. And it was evening. Evening was coming in, so the gloaming was in. And there's a great big fire right there, right down at the bottom of this forest. And as we got nearer, <laughs> with all the fire glowing away, this man sort of came out from behind a tree, totally naked. No, really? <laughs> no, you do shock me. I'm so sorry. I'm working so hard. But you know, when a strange man says to you, Lee, do you want to come and meet me in the woods after dark? <laughs> it wasn't just him, though. Everybody else no, was really? naked. Oh, everyone really? was naked. You do naked. shock me. <laughs> so I was sort of like, typical British politeness. I was sort of like, oh, hello. <laughs> Thinking, what do I do now? I can't run. <laughs> So I just followed him down and we like I sat on, on the appointed <laughs> Sue's about log. to fall off her chair. <laughs> sat on my appointed log. So but this chair. And you know, he's introducing me, sort of saying, you know, here she is, all the way from Scatland. I bet he is. <laughs> I hadn't taken any of not a uh, not a sausage of my clothes <laughs> came off. I was just staying put apart from that. There's loads of midges. But, um, <laughs> as I was telling the story, you know, like telling the story through the flames and seeing these people beyond, it's like my eye kept catching the wrong part of personal ana anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> I kept losing the plot. I kept forgetting. <laughs> Forget my story, <laughs> and all I could see in the background was my pal's shoulders going up and down, and she had a, her hand clamped over her mouth. Trying to laugh. And you were gamely telling your story to a whole I, group of swingers I, in the woods. <laughs> I got out there pretty afterwards. It's like, thanks very much. I have to go. We've got another engagement. What was the story called? Was it The Naked Truth? No. <laughs> I can't remember what it was I was telling though. Oh dear. Yeah, it was very it was a very shortened version, I can tell you. <laughs> didn't stop long. Well they say size doesn't matter. <laughs> Man. You said that mini Turner Thompson. You said it was a short story. You know what? I have to say that I didn't really know where that story was going. <laughs> I have to say, you said it looked like you were going to have a heart attack. So. I think it was just when you said, well, this mountain took us to the woods and it was just getting dark. <laughs> That's why I love you right there. You can make a really dodgy situation sound like poetry. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, dear. Oh, so that's so your weirdest that's story. That's my weirdest story, yeah. 
or your weirdest performance. Yeah. So yeah. what's your, what's your, um, what was the question? Was it, what's your best performance? What was your m most, well, that was your most I memorable, think, I take it. I think one of my most memorable ones was um, I was touring Canada. I was touring can Canada with a uh, the Purple, White and Green story, the Scottish suffragettes with, with my colleague. And um, we'd been approached by a lecturer of a college saying, we can't afford you, but, you know, I'm, we're working on women's studies at the moment. We would love for you to come along. You know, this is the kind of material that our kids should be listening to. And um, I said, well, you know, we're, we're going out of town because we, we were traveling, we were touring. We're going out of town, but are you available? Could we come in on Friday? And she sort of said, well, yeah. And I said, well, we'll what we'll do is come to the college. And she said, but we, I don't think we've got a room. And I said, it's okay, we'll do a pop-up. So we did a pop-up performance, which was in the entrance hall. I mean, they had to let the the um, security guards folk know. But their entrance hall was such that you came in and there was a, a huge cafe on one side. With a, it's a big entrance. And they had sort of walkways over the top. So we went in dressed as suffragettes. We travelled there on, I think we went uh, by bus and by tube <laughs> um, with our outfits and our banner, you know, really looking the part and all these people looking as if saying, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was, that was a, a real trick, a, a real treat in itself. And then we walk into the college and we just set up. And as you know, suffragettes wanted it, they moved with very little. So, and that's what we, that was our mindset. It's like, we're going to be real suffragettes in this. So we went and set up, we got a table, put the tablecloth on, teacups on, and that's all that we needed for our performance. And then we started bellowing, votes for women! And everybody stopped. And we ended up with, there were about 500 in, that, in the whole oh, wow. of the area. Mm -hmm. Everybody stopped and we got uproarious applause. And it was, it was the best moment for me to have all these kids galvanized but they got it. They asked loads of questions afterwards, sort of saying, you know, did that really happen? Have you made that up? But we really engaged them, uh -huh. really engaged them. And the feedback we got was just amazing. Um, and that to me was the most, it, the most stand up moment um, that I've ever had in performance. Wow. Really wow. Good. What do you feel when, you, when you're talking about the applause? <clears throat> you think there's an energy exchange, do yeah. you think, in terms yeah, of definitely. live audience? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder whether, you know... It's it feels like love. Ah, it's, okay. It's like love coming back. It's an exchange of love. It's it's really powerful, really overwhelming almost. You know, every year at the King's Panto, mm. um, Alan Stewart will say to the audience, this is not telly, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, he thinks he's watching the telly, but actually this is not telly. And actually that is something that's always stuck with me. And he said that every year for, for yeah. years and years and years. I used to work at the King's as a front of house assistant. Oh, really? Mm. I, used, I used to work at the King's when I was 16 with um, <clears throat> Jason Donovan doing Paddington Bear. <laughs> <laughs> as you do, as you do. It was Paddington Bear. It was like, it's absolutely nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, just my little king you know story what, there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what they say, don't they? That for for most people, um, 
death and public speaking are their two greatest fears. Why do you think that is, that public speaking and speaking in front of a group of people or performing in front of a group of people is just so intimidating for most people? It's because the spotlight's on you. And what if you mess up? You know, what if... What if you've, I don't know, still got your knickers tucked in your skirt or something and everybody sees it? <laughs> or, you know, you have you haven't quite cleared that bogey off your nose. Not that they would see it, but, yeah. you know, it's... Or, or you say something that's inappropriate and that's remembered. You think people will remember that forever and ever. It's that, that whole concept of being caught out. Mm. But, you know, we all mess up. We all yeah. make mistakes. Fear, of, fear of, of failure, human. isn't it? Yeah, it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Fear of failure. I, I remember when I, I used to act when I was, uh, I still do, but <laughs> not professionally, um, but just every day. Um, but yeah, I used to act. And the, the first time I went on stage was at the uh, Lyceum Theatre um, with a park called Antigone. And the night before uh, I was going on for the first time, um, I had this dream that I I turned up and I was late. So I had to rush right onto stage and start giving my lines. And I, I turned up at the wrong theatre and they were dancing Swan Lake. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, that was my that was my sheer horror, the idea that you'd, you'd, you'd do the lines right, you'd do everything else, but you'd do it to the wrong audience. <laughs> well, if it's the Antigone I'm thinking of, that is a heck of a part to be able to deliver lines to. Yeah, well, it was, I, was, I was Antigone, so. That's uh, a huge part. Him. Yeah, it was, it was massive. But and <laughs> actually the funniest thing was, on the day everyone turned around and said so how do you deal with your nerves when you go on stage and you know being the lead part in the whole of this this play and I turned around and said I have no idea this is the first time I've done a play <laughs> and they were like oh what <laughs> so everyone else started freaking out <laughs> it was very funny well we've decided haven't we that, that um, if please God but if the Edinburgh Festival um is uh, back on the mm. books next year. We're thinking of doing a book whisperers live. Yes. Do you think we should do the podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually yeah. would be quite funny, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be quite funny. Does it? Well, we had an idea. Ties? We had an idea about doing it. You know, because because it was lockdown, is having three almost three cubicles on stage. Yeah. You know, sort of like so they tell the stories of the book whisperers. Actually, it would it would work. It would be funny. I think that yeah. would work. Yeah, I think it would. That's the thing yeah. about Edinburgh, isn't it? You know what the performance is part of of the city. You know yeah. what that that rhythm of the city has really been disrupted this yeah. year. Yeah. We're so used to that just rocking into town aren't we yeah. yeah tell me have you been involved in the festival yeah. I don't yeah. know I'm, yeah. I'm in this year's international festival for the storytelling festival but I've been in the Edinburgh book F- festival before now mm. not the yeah I've been in the international book festival and I've been in Edinburgh festival before now so I've been in I've never done a show in the Edinburgh Festival, but I've done the International yet. Book Festival. Yet, yet. my favourite yes, word. Um, but I think actually us three doing a show would be great. Um, but yeah, they're the, doing the International Book Festival is fab because you get to use the author's oh, the yurt. Te- the yurt, <gasps> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that, that's the, that's the pinnacle, isn't it? Yeah. You know, just being yeah. able to stand there and and socialise with all hobnob with and all, all the, the other freebies. authors as well. They've got these freebies, sort of little bottles of whiskey and, and bits and pieces. Yeah, and yeah, and they sort of like Chocolate. just all the alcohol you could ever want to drink, <laughs> which I think is probably a bad idea before people go on stage. But hey, I don't know. Yeah, I've told you the told you the story about freaking out Ian Rankin, haven't I? Oh, oh, go on, tell us more. Tell us. It was. Uh, it, I was actually going to see because the lovely thing about being at the International Book Festival as an author, when you present that year, is you get to go and go into the authors' yurt 
all the time for the whole of that festival that year. Um, so I was in there every day. <laughs> I was like, who can I talk to? <laughs> I, was, I was fangirling everyone. It was ridiculous. Uh, but I'd get to, I get—I got to meet Jacqueline Wilson and I got to meet oh, a few hey, other people. Hey. Uh, but I actually, the other thing about authors is you don't necessarily know what they look like. You wouldn't necessarily recognize them in the street. Um, and uh, so I was going to see Ian Rankin speak. Um, but I had no idea what you looked like. Anyway, so I'm standing having a glass of wine, free wine, in the author's yurt, talking to a bunch of other people. And this guy turns around and he says, oh, I had a terrible time getting a babysitter. Um, and, uh, so <laughs> and I said, you know, he said, finally, I got the Spanish girl to do it. And I said, well, you know, a bit of a shame, you know, a bit funny, isn't it? And he said, what? And I said, well, we spend our entire lives telling our children to be aware of strangers and then we pay them to come into our homes. And he was just, <laughs> he could just turn around and went, oh my God, you just put that in my mind just before I go on stage. Stage. And then I kind of went, oh, you'll be in Rankin then. <laughs> but yeah, love, love that, you know, so love yeah. the author's yurt. It's just such a it's oh, magical kingdom. It is, it <laughs> is. And you really feel like you've arrived. Yeah. You know. Yeah. They won't so, let me in. Won't they? No matter how much I scream and shout. <laughs> we'll, we'll sneak you in. We'll get you in. In fact, wait, maybe we should tunnel in. <laughs> Actually, if we start now, yeah. we'll be in by August. Absolutely. Well, one of the best ones was when Sean Connery arrived. And uh, so he was going into the author with, with an entourage of about 100 people, which made, made the tent far too packed. Oh, it would have been packed. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of like squeezed my way out like toothpaste out of this thing. But the crowd outside was so massive, you know, and people saw me coming out with like, oh, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> it was the best night's business I've ever done in my life because it was just like everyone wanted to know who I was. And I was coming out the often. But yeah, it was a brilliant fun. Really good fun. But yeah, it's, it's, it's that kind of performance thing, isn't it? You know, mm. they've got, uh, but I've never done the book Edinburgh Book Festival yet. Not the Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Festival yet. And I would love to do a show mm -hmm. now. I think, I think we I think, do. No, I think we should do it. You can get funding to go, go into it as well. Ooh. We're doing that stream of consciousness thing. Yeah. Oh, and Lee's got two thumbs up, which means that it'll definitely happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a definitely happen. It's when she now, puts three up that we know it's, you know, it's, a, yeah. <laughs> it's a done deal. She's taking a shoe off. <laughs> <laughs> now, thank you so much, Lee Taylor. You have got some tips for us now. I have. Yes. I have. In terms I think of I've our performance. Some of them. I think, um, yeah. Let's have a look at nerves. Okay. No, okay. When, when your nerves. We've, we've talked about jumping around warming yourself up and things like that um talked about sort of warming up your voice and things but to try and to try and stop the nerves is to be really really clear and really confident about the pieces of work that you're actually performing you know practice 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 i always make sure i practice so i i, I can do it if there's an elephant running through the room hmm. you know i could still go on and do it and like the back of my hand so practice, so that way you, you, you're clear. You know that you can actually produce it no matter what. You could do, do it with the eyes shut, standing on your head, mm. you know, getting a tattoo on your bottom or something. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <clears throat> <clears throat> anyway, so, um, and nerves. Don't try and eradicate your nerves completely. Um, you need your nerves. That adrenaline will help to fire you up, help you think clearly, help you move faster. You'll be more fluid. Um, and also you can use up loads of calories with it. With well, <laughs> hey, there's always an upside. Um, but I did say, you know, I had, I think I said uh, the other night that sometimes if you get too hyped up, 
if I do a performance and I, I've, I've really got high from it, I have difficulty sort of coming down, you know, yeah. sleeping. Um, you need to put your thumb on your Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I'm going to remember that. Um, so, like I said, practice, practice, practice. Um, and then whilst you're practicing, if you have a trusted friend, do your performance in front of them just so you can get feedback. So mm. no point just doing it in, in front of the mirror on your own. Mm. Try and get a few people that you trust to come around and give you feedback and pointers mm. Mm. Um, because that will help to instill confidence as well. They'll, you know, they'll say that works, try this, try that. Um, but that always helps to sort of reinforce it as well. Um, the other thing that I think is really important, if it's a really big do and say you've got it coming up the next day, make sure you get a lot of rest. Mm. You, you rest properly and you eat properly as well. And and the appropriate exercise. There's no point in sort of just sitting in the house, not sleeping, not eating, mm. you know, being all yeah. stiff and, yeah. and what have you, because that will reflect. You want to go on to that stage and and feel confident and smile. Be your best self. Be your way. best self. Smile. <clears throat> you, because if you're not enjoying it, you're not giving your, your audience yeah. permission to enjoy it as well. You want to give them permission yeah. to say, this is okay. Mm. We're going to have a great time. Yeah. No. Do, you think it's, do you think it's a good idea for <clears throat> sorry, do you think it's a good idea for people to sort of think what is the worst that could happen? Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's like when you talk about being frightened of doing a performance, you actually don't know what you're frightened of, of happening. You know, it's like I do. I, <laughs> <laughs> sort of falling off the stage. Okay, so right, if you fell off the stage, how bad would that be? You know, do you think people would just stand up and your point audience. at you and laugh? They would say, Oh dear, come on, get yeah, back up again. They would help you, you know. Not Scotland. <laughs> But usually when you go out, your audience are paid to come and see you anyway. So they're yeah. willing. They, they want the best yes, for you. they're on your side. The worst case scenario is forgetting your words. I've forgotten my words before now. Uh -huh. um, just What you do is just move on. Yeah. You just drop it and move on. Mm. And like if you go, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, you bring your attention to it. You just move on. Yeah. It's just a little stumble. It's part of being human. When I used to play piano... Um, and I used, to play, I used to play concerts when I was young. I was a child prodigy. Um, but uh, one of the things that I was always taught is if you make a mistake, you, you don't flinch. Yeah. You don't, you don't twitch. You don't move. You carry on. And the thing is that people might go, <gasps> you know, sort of like you, you hit a wrong note. But by three seconds later, they've forgotten, they've forgotten. because Chances their brain are... has moved on. Yeah. And they actually, by the end of the performance, they won't remember you made a mistake at all. Mm. But they will remember if, if you, you make flinch, they will remember if you go, if you stop and go, you know, or anything else, you just have to carry on through it. Um, so, so similar sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. I remember once I, I was, where was I? I was at the Botanic Gardens. Um, might have been for the Storytelling Festival or something, International mm. Festival. And I started off this song and I couldn't remember. And it's a song I know really well, but I couldn't remember all the words. Mm. So it's like, I'll start again. So I started again, got to the same point, couldn't oh, remember. No. And thought, it's like forgetting your pen at the, yeah, the cash machine. Tried again, <laughs> tried again, and then just started laughing. I, I just started laughing about it, and I, I, you made a joke of it and, mo and moved on, but incorporated it into the next story, and just yeah. sort of said, you know, well, that's what, that's how it was. But it's just sort of trying to do it seamlessly. So it's we like, know what we're doing yeah. now, then, Mary. If we if we stumble, we just we move on. Yeah, or incorporate okay. it. Remember when we did the co comedy thing, mm. um, and halfway through my act, this woman came in. Yeah. And rather I seem than to going, remember you did a really good job of uh, yeah, yeah, just incorporated it straight in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really good, actually. 
Cool. So are we going to yes, we are. try and incorporate everything yes. that we have learned in the last we've done 45 our breathing. minutes? We've done our Stretch the mouths. Did we do the wild dancing? We yeah. do the wild dancing. Pogoing, actually. We do the hip bath, hip bath. Labatari, labatari, bidet, bidet, budouche. Okay, so you're going to go sit first, Sue? I'm going to get it over and done with. Do yeah, mind? go for it, yeah. I can't sit any longer. Hang on. Grind yourself, grind yourself. Grind myself. In for eight, hold for four, breathe out for five. Is that right? Oh, you're no, good. Was... You're on it like out a car on it. In for, in for five. Oh, it's windy in here. <laughs> <laughs> I chose a piece which I I um makes it really difficult for me to read. Oh, go on. But I chose the most difficult piece because it reveals something of me that you don't know. So there you go. Uh, it was written uh, and also it was written six weeks before my dad died. So it's uh, it's a big thing for me. So this was written um, on the 9th of April during lockdown. It was when I felt the soft wind take hold of my heart that I knew for certain I was standing on the edge of heaven. I was wearing that jacket I'd saved so hard for, the one with the black edging and the red collar. It had cost six pounds, which Mam said could have fed us all for a week. That never left me, the thought that I was wearing food. Never again in my life was I to buy a piece of clothing I had to save up for. But right then, right at that moment, I was transcending, although I didn't know it. I'd managed to lose my family still sitting in the lay-by, eating egg sandwiches, the ones Mam made with lots of salad cream which oozed out over our fingers. We were on one of our runs, our Sunday drives, when we'd pick up my granny or my auntie, and we'd all squash into the back seat of the car, and my dad would drive and drive and drive. And my mum would say, what on earth are we going, Tony? And my dad would reply, nowhere and somewhere. Nowhere and somewhere. I'm writing during the coronavirus lockdown, which allows me out of this city flat once a day for exercise in the park, or a walk through the streets. And finally, my dad's nowhere and somewhere has hit its mark. It has hit home. Home. The thing is, I have those feet that really itch. I have a rule that I never step off a plane without knowing where my next flight is going to take me. When I don't get on a plane, I get on a ship and I go anywhere. I don't care where, as long as it's far. I lived and worked abroad for years and found my way back to Scotland almost by accident. But now, in this enforced stillness, it's Scotland that, for me, looms large. My first transcendence was brought about by its land, its sky, its water, by the perfect merging of its elements, which could only have been brought about by God, my God. And in that moment long ago by the loch, I experienced the presence of spirit for the first time. It was Scotland, my Highland Scotland, that gave that to me. It's nowhere. It's somewhere. It's everywhere. And to me, knowing that for now I can't breathe it in, it's everything. 
I know. Wow. That is beautiful. And you delivered it beautifully. I feel like a proud mum. <laughs> that was really, really an oversized gorgeous. baby. No, that was just beautiful. That was really gorgeous. Oh, it really you. was. Right, I've got to follow that now. Grounding, okay. Grounding. Grounding. Jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. Then, right. What on earth am I doing here? These people are nuts, mostly drunk, and are wasting a lot of time and energy bouncing around. I'd better stay just a little while, otherwise my work colleagues will think I'm antisocial. I'd much rather be home with a good book. Real people can be so dull. At least there's some decent eye candy here. That chap over there particularly, he's stunning. Tall, handsome, even that cheeky twinkle in his eye doesn't detract from his charm. There's something quite magnetic about him. It feels rather like he's the very centre of the room, like something out of a storybook. Oh, Catherine, you and your stories. You're such an idiot. Oh, shoot. He just caught me looking at him. Darn. Where's my drink? <laughs> Pull yourself together, Catherine. He's just a bloke. And now he's seen you, he'll be laughing at your obviousness. Focus on who else is in the room. There are the guys in the work, all drinking far too much. There's some people I don't know. Oh, shoot. Why am I looking in his direction again? Oh, good. He's looking the other way. There's something about the way he's standing, something about the curve of his chin. It's not that he's that good looking. Yes, nicely put together, but there's something else, something about his bearing. It's confidence, easy, calm. Stop staring at him, Catherine. You'll really make a fool of yourself. That's it. Look out of the window instead. Yes, it really is quite a nice evening out there. What? He's walking over. I can see him from the corner of my eye. He's coming directly towards me. Shoot! Am I sweating? This is not like me at all. Get a grip, Catherine. What on earth is wrong with you? He's saying hi. Is he talking to me? Is there someone behind me he's saying hi to? God, that would be embarrassing if I said hello back and he was talking to someone else. Best to just not say anything. I can smile and take a sip of my drink. He's saying it's a beautiful sunset. He's definitely talking to me. Oh, shoot. What does he want? can't possibly like me. Just smile and for God's sake, say something. <laughs> oh, lovely. Lovely. You built that up beautifully and delivered it gorgeously. Oh. It's on the right platter. Oh, I'm so proud of my two little chickadees. you done well. Oh, thank you. I like, love that. He's so well put together. I love that so much. Well, this is the character that I'm writing for my novel. That, um, so I've been doing all these, I mean, like loads and loads of monologues from different parts in her life. Oh, and uh, lovely, So, lovely. you know, it's a way of getting to, to know her as a character is to actually do her internal thought processes. Mm, so just so writing God. all these monologues when she's yeah. like 10, when she's 15, 29. That's yes, that's so, brilliant. Getting so it's really, so exercise, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's good. So, Ooh, yes. Oh, well, mummy, mummy's going to be Oh, God. <laughs> well, this is um, from Animals, Beasties and Monsters of Scotland, and it's uh, story number nine, Magical Journey to the Isle of Skye. 
The last person to see Granny was my sister. She claimed she'd watched her turn into a butterfly, a tortoiseshell with a flash of warm orange. It fluttered away over the garden wall, heading off in the direction of the fourth road bridge. Granny had always said that when her time came, she'd take herself off and fly away like a butterfly. She loved butterflies. None of us ever saw her again. My only consolation was being given an amber nugget from her favourite necklace. It looked like a barley sugar lozenge, golden amber with a hint of orange, the same as the butterfly, and it was all I had left to remind me of her. Granny was an unusual, wonderful woman, resourceful, ebullient, generous with love and laughter. She would delight us all with her stories, some funny, some weird, but all filled with warmth and kindness. And once you'd met her, you'd never forget her. She relished the unusual, embraced the quirky, and savoured all things mischievous. She was not a conventional woman, not by a long stretch of the imagination. Her expansive carpet bag was an endless source of intrigue. Once she pulled from its depths a cockerel spur, a pair of men's oversized wife fronts, and a spurtle. Our mother was aghast, but Granny just laughed, exposing her loose-fitting dentures. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> I like the way that the, the, you know the endless handbag, and I thought, yeah, wife fronts, yeah, spurtle, whoa, yeah, spurtle. <laughs> Wasn't at all you know surprised at the wife fronts, no, but the no. spurtle, spurtle that's yes, a commodious cockerel bag. spur as well, you know. So, so we're yeah. almost coming to the end of our podcast, but the really interesting thing is that that. You know, Mary, I feel that you and I have learned a lot. No, I... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Do you feel? I, I do, I yes, do yeah. I feel that I've no, I definitely lot. do. Thank you, Lee. I actually feel far more confident with it as well because I, I was really quite nervous about reading that out. But actually when I, I felt much more, when you said grounded, it mm. was a really good good way of describing how I felt. You know, it's mm. actually, I did feel like I was ready to, to sort of read that out. Mm. So, yeah, I, I felt a lot more confident. And you're amongst friends. You know, yeah. we want the best for you. Yeah. Oh, so. look at us. It's a big old loving, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, have a lovely week. Find yeah. us on Facebook. Yes. Yeah. Come back. Join come. us again soon. Oh, do. Oh, come, on, do. Come, come and give us some tongue twisters to put on the Facebook oh, group. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. the ruder the better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sir. Oh, matron. Oh, sorry. Peace, Ta-da! Ta-da!